This is a conversation with Mike Beardsley. Mike was running for the 6th Congressional District in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I talked to Mike Beardsley on June 18th, 2020. Mike was the youngest of three candidates for the 6th Congressional District. Five, four, three... What's up, friends? What's up, friends? We're back. But why not? But why not? What's up, friends? We are live. We're back face to face. What a weird time to be alive, but honestly, an interesting and amazing time. So uh, I don't normally talk politics, but I'm here with a political candidate. Uh, he's got some fresh ideas and fresh blood, and he's not a political guy. He graduated college three years ago, something like that. Yep, three, four years ago now, yeah. In IT, and he decided that it's time that uh, he, he puts his, his money and his time where his mouth is. So I'm here with Mike Beardsley. He's running for the 6th Congressional District, which is the Oshkosh area and he's got to go through the primaries which is august 11th a lot of people are going to be mailing in ballots as i understand yep. uh very weird time given uh the covid thing and how not only individuals responded but how, really how systems responded that's what i'm most like interested yeah. in is like i think it really showed how maybe out maybe it's outdated or maybe it just showed all the pinch points in the system really yeah you're an it guy you probably <laughs> i don't know if are you a systems guy or yeah so for, that was a good transition uh <laughs> yeah and you nailed everything with my with my bio and what i'm running for so that was awesome um Perfect. yeah uh regarding the systems i mean we're seeing our climate recover a little bit with people staying home. We're seeing healthcare kind of being exposed. We're seeing criminal justice system for non-pandemic reasons being exposed. So you're seeing all this stuff kind of come to a head and we're seeing that it it's not working. And like you mentioned, it might be outdated. Um, I think it, the can has been kicked down the road so far that we're kind of stuck with this problem now. And I don't think there's a lot of people in office or running um, that are kind of willing to take on the responsibility. So like you like you said i'm kind of a fresh face i'm tired of waiting so that's why i jumped in the race yeah so you said this problem meaning these problems with i mean i'm i'm with you with the the kick in the can and i think um i see a lot of promising stuff not even just from from younger people being more interested well that i guess that's what it is it's younger people being more interested whether it's on a on a protest level whether it's on a support level or donating to causes they care about or putting their time you know mm -hmm. like i said i guess where, where your mouth is um which issue do you think has been kicked down the road the longest do you have a core issue is that is that important like what what are you running on if you can explain yeah so the I, I can't pick one so there's there's two that really pushed me to run and those were two i already mentioned with climate change and healthcare. um i think those have both been kicked the, the can's been kicked down the road so long um especially climate change i'm just a little frustrated that it's something that we're literally running out of time um it's, it's something you can't really disagree with if, if we kick the can down the road 
too long. Uh, nothing else really matters, to put it bluntly. We can talk about climate change or healthcare. We can talk about criminal justice reform. We can talk about all these other issues. Um, but if if we don't fight climate change, we're kind of stuck and we're we're kind of kind of screwed. Um, so that's that's the big one. And then healthcare, I think we're we're behind compared to pretty much every other country in the world. Where and you're seeing it now with um, with the pandemic with 30 million people kind of being on being kicked off their insurance because they're unemployed so there are other options out there but they're not they're not really sufficient at at doing what kind of is needed and kind of addresses the core of the issue which is being tied to our employment so those are the two big ones those are the two i want i wasn't really seeing anything being talked about um so that's why i decided to run nice so in terms of climate change um I, I agree wholeheartedly. It almost seems to be, I think these are all symptoms. Um, I think like if this were therapy on the United States <laughs> and like what our problems are, I think maybe like the root issue is probably something in in like the fabric or the mindset. And it might be like deeper than the US, it might be a Western mm-hmm. issue or something. But given that we have to do things in the framework that we're in, obviously that's what the political and the political one seems to be have ultimately the most power mm-hmm. um, to change things. Um, what's like? I guess what's your idea, or what what do you think government can do um, for climate change? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I think one of the the bigger things with the whole political system and in addressing big issues like climate change that bothers me the most is uh, and i'm not even pointing sides both parties you see a lot of people running because they they want to they want the position they're doing it because it's something they've wanted to do they had this goal of being in public office and it's just another step in their career and they're running for them where i'm frustrated because i think i'm part of this this new generation that's coming up where we're frustrated because we want people to run on ideas not not on their their name or their popularity so that's really what i'm trying to do i'm trying to run on fixing climate change fixing healthcare, fixing all these other things instead of running because it's something i wanted to do i know we can go into a little detail on later on why why i decided to run it wasn't really something like i mentioned where it's been in my plans i'm in it I don't have a political background, so this is this is all new to me. But I felt like the moment was to a point where we needed something something new. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I th- like. Could you share that that story? That basically, like, yeah, how, like how it came to be. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it, my campaign started officially in about February of this year, which, as everyone knows, March is about when COVID really kicked in. So it's been. It's been an uphill battle for getting my name out, fundraising, all that stuff, because we've all been on lockdown. Um, even just making the ballot um, has been difficult because for those who don't know, um, I need to gather. I needed to gather a thousand signatures during the quarantine, which was very difficult, um, but we did it. So we're on to the next step. Um, but how I really decided to run is it's my wife and I, Megan, we kind of just always a little joked about it because I would complain like, why isn't this person doing that or whatnot? And, and, and after a while we're like, why don't I just run? And um, I, I kind of laugh about it now, but at the time we didn't really even talk about it that much officially. I just kind of decided that, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I texted like the family and I didn't even really text her first <laughs> or talk to her about it, which looking back was not the best thing, but I think it's kind of funny. So I just, I'm like, I'm one day I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to send a text to the family and, and commit and commit. So nice. that's how it happened. So she basically said, 
well, why don't you run as a joke? And you're like, you know what? I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's pretty much how it went, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's cool that you were able to... Because ultimately, unless you know a ton of people, a thousand signatures, it, it, it's a lot. These are physical signatures. Like, yeah. what did that look like? How did you, how did you do it during the <laughs> pandemic? It was, it was tough. There was a good two-week period where I didn't think it was going to happen. I was probably in the middle of May, and I was sitting at three, 400 signatures, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make this up. But, I mean, I think it really speaks to what I'm running on. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm running on the ideas, not really necessarily for me. And I was able to find enough people with just my message um, that people believe in fighting climate change and healthcare and all that stuff where people kind of rally around that, not necessarily who I am. That's kind of like, that's great and all people want to know who I am, but they want someone that's going to fight for the same things they fight for, which is who I would look for if I'm looking to vote. That's kind of why I jumped in here because I wasn't seeing that. So I thought it's, that space needed to be filled. What surprised you about like what were some of the response were there any responses i guess that surprised you in like when you were talking to people about these things and asking for signatures was there any feedback or responses that were like surprising yeah i mean this whole thing's been very eye-opening and surprising um i think the most surprising thing is so i'm running against glenn grothman who i have found out is very unpopular even within his own party so i think it's just people are kind of just there's over this whole period where there's someone that doesn't really do anything for them so all i have to say is who i am and what i'm running for and who i'm running against and people are like overly excited willing to volunteer willing to donate just from like those few sentences alone so that's it's been very surprising sweet so um so you're like you came in with basically very little very little like um political like thinking meaning like you're coming from everyday life right yep so like what have you what have you <laughs> learned about um the political process that's like surprised you it's um it's a lot of who you know which i think is true with a lot of things in life but a little more so than i kind of expected going into this maybe i was not naive and thinking i'm gonna run on you know medicare for all and green new deal and be like that's all i need people are gonna rally behind me and i'm gonna win this thing but it turns out like you need name recognition, you need to have these connections with organizations and you know other elected leaders and people in the community, which I just, I haven't built up that, ex that those connections yet. So this is all happening in a very quick time when traditionally someone will probably announce that they're running a, over a year in advance when I announced a few months in advance. So I'm just kind of doing a lot of this unconventionally, which I think is, it kind of fits my style a little more i'm trying to do something new and i'm trying to do it different so just i'm just gonna roll with it have you been able to adjust to that at all in terms of built, making these connections last minute or yeah i mean a lot of a lot of what i've been doing it's a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails that a lot of times go unanswered but i mean i'm putting in the work and i'm just doing i'm i'm reaching out a hand saying i'm running for this um i think you can help and i think i can help as well so it's just building those connections and uh, people that have responded have been very helpful and i've met a lot of awesome people that are helping out still um and some people have their own thing which is fine but um is all i can do is try cool so what what's the heartland plan like what this is part of your plan right yep so 
so uh, what I'm what I'm calling this is the Heartland Action Plan. Um, I haven't finalized it yet, so um, it'll be on my website soon. But basically, uh, what I found when I was researching more more ideas besides climate change and healthcare, more stuff I really wanted to get behind um, was a comprehensive rural agriculture manufacturing plan, kind of all wrapped in one. Um, if you kind of think of like the New Deal historically, how it was a bunch of different things all wrapped in one package, um, that's kind of what my thought process here was. We need a bill. We need a plan that that rural America can rally behind because I honestly think that they've sort of been left behind. Um, there's a lot of urban issues that are being addressed, but I think there's a lot of rural issues that aren't. So eh, I'll try not to ramble too long, but um, agriculture and manufacturing is huge in in the valley and the whole sixth district. So especially manufacturing if you think about all the companies that are that are headquartered here it's it's pretty crazy like i'm, I'm sure most of the valley works at a at, you know kimberly clark and amcor um oshkosh truck. yeah oshkosh truck, truck so there's there's a lot of huge manufacturing and there's not a lot going on for them uh federally so for for the core of the plan is to incentivize incentivize these these companies and farms to to really not only just to give them money, but to push them to sustainable practices. So it's a win-win for, for them because a lot of these manufacturing companies and farms are really just staying afloat or closing. Um, and they need a reason to stay afloat and be supported, but not just given a handout. So um, trying to kill, knock off two birds with one stone with, uh, with moving to environmentally sustainable practices while also helping out these businesses with, with real money in their hand. So um, the big reason is a lot of people unless you're really paying attention there's a lot of farms that are closing especially dairy farms that we don't really hear about too often because there's so much else on the on the airwaves these days with the pandemic uh the protests so um i don't have the numbers off the top of my head but over the last i would say a decade there's been a huge amount of like small to medium-sized family farms that have closed um and, and gobbled up by mega farms which isn't really good for anybody except mega farms because um, less options for for end consumers is is never never a good thing. So right. I'm trying to build this plan that has everything all in one that really addresses the problem because I I haven't seen it exist yet. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you think can be done like in terms of like how do you, I guess you probably wouldn't have you obviously you'd have to you know delegate to like get this put in place but mm -hmm. like in your mind what are the guidelines for more sustainable practice do you know or is that something you work with other people to like yeah so that's out? that's the one that's i'm still working on the most um because that has a lot more nuance to it so i'm trying to reach out to people that have a lot more expertise I, i'm an it guy so i'm i'm going into this like i i see the problem and i'm trying to fix it but i don't have the expertise uh very specific expertise i know we need the transition to sustainable practices but i don't have a a very specific way to do it um, so environmentally in general I'm very much for a carbon tax which is pretty much taxing companies that use carbon fuels um, which kind of pushes them to move to sustainable energy because um, they don't pay that tax so um, it's kind of forcing their hand in the market um, so how I would incentivize incentivize this trend yeah this yeah. transition is um, you need to give subsidies or grants to these different companies that are showing that they are transitioning so that they save a little money on the carbon tax up front and then in the end they're still saving money in the environment mm -hmm. nice 
um, this is probably maybe not something that comes up in just a like congressional uh, debate or something, but yeah. like, what's your thought on uh, on nuclear? I've been like looking into it more. I don't. What do you think about it? Yeah. So, so if you look at my site, I'm a big proponent of the Green New Deal, which does not address nuclear that much. But me personally, I'm very much for clean nuclear energy. I think it's something that needs to be looked at because it it is renewable, and like I said, it's it's clean and it can be affordable if if it's built out right so i know it's not i guess used much in the u.s to this point at least to the level that really could make a difference but that's something i'm all for yeah yeah they say like basically it just has a bad brand yeah that basically nuclear is like like the technology's gotten better there's i mean there's still waste but i guess it like produces the least amount of waste mm -hmm. of any but then you just like the horror stories are the old tech that yep. just went awry and like like the Fukushima and the mm -hmm. Chernobyl kind of things. You yeah, know? there's always that risk, but like you said, the technology is better. So I think it's something we should probably reevaluate. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. It seems like I don't know. They just there is some issues with renewables. Like I mean, they're not perfect, but yeah. obviously they're better in most cases but yeah it seems like nuclear would be something that definitely needs to be brought back on the table are, i guess do you even know that like are people even against that what are what are people against in mm -hmm. terms of climate change like what what is trying like what's on the cusp of coming through that just like is getting stuffed out so a lot of this a lot of the things like carbon tax i mentioned has passed the house of representatives I think, well, once for sure, I think multiple times, but it gets stuck in the Senate for whatever political reasons. But so there's there's pieces that that are popular. It's just political, politically, they're getting stuffed, um, which is unfortunate. But like uh, there are there are a group of people against nuclear. Um, I mean, they have their reasons where it's not it, there's some waste and things like that, which is fair. But um, my take on it is it, it's it's renewable and it's another strong source of energy. So if it takes us away from our fossil fuels, oil, gas, what have you, then, then that's a good path forward. Yeah, we're literally <laughs> like, <laughs> like running out of options or yeah. it seems like. I mean, are you in, like did you grow up in, with an invite, like did you, like spend a lot of time outdoors like what's your history with environment or is it just like existential to the point where you're like this is ridiculous uh it's mostly existential i mean i think like most people especially in this part of the state there's a lot of natural areas so i've always i mean enjoyed taking advantage of that but a lot of it's just like we're running out of time like I, it's literally happening in our lifetime so it's just like we need to do this now and if we're not going to do it now then i don't want to see what happens yeah mm. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's last name. He was just on Joe Rogan's podcast. It was like Joel something. He, he does this really unique like type of farming, basically, where he like rotates the oh, the yeah. cattle. It's also not monocropping somehow. It might be <laughs> like I don't know if he's growing two crops together or something. But okay. um, is any of that in your 
like repertoire farming or any like different approaches or yeah so like one of the pillars i'll call it is and on the agriculture side i think we need to really push different biodiversities which is partly what you mentioned where it's cattle rotating crop rotating and just additional options in general uh instead of just instead of just corn or you know just dairy like there needs to be a diversity there because if we have more diversity especially in the state we don't have to import as much and we can shop local like we all like to do and and kind of keep the money here so if you're pushing for for greater greater diversity in crops and in products then then we all succeed and we all do better yeah where'd you learn what do you know the guy i'm talking about or not really no i don't know joe (laughs) saladin or something like that i'll have to look um i think he's one of the leading voices in like that idea which is like and then in that the plants actually get a chance to grow and then there's this Mm -hmm. whole like feedback loop like they the literally like the probiotics on like the, the new grass versus like chewing toward the root of the grass it's like it all matters yeah it's crazy how like connected <laughs> everything is yeah. but um shoot i had a question about <laughs> farming um oh yeah what's your take on uh like closed loop systems and like vertical farming and stuff do you think wisconsin will ever see any of that kind of stuff or? Uh, i hope so um i know a lot of the especially the vertical systems a lot of that's unless I'm mistaken, a lot of that's a lot of urban stuff, which Wisconsin's usually a little little behind on some of that stuff. But uh, closed loop, uh, I would expect, I think there's probably some places around that are trying to accomplish that already, but I think that would catch on pretty quick. Yeah. I think there are some, like, closed loop systems where they do fish farming, plants together. So, like, when you, when you find out about this stuff locally, like, is it, like, is it your job, like, do you reach out to them and, like, like, get insights from them or just say, like, I like what you're doing, I'm running for, like, how does that look? Yeah, it's a lot of kind of, like, cold calling, yeah, where it's, like, I find out and I think that they would receive my message well and I think my message could help them. So, it, it's making sure that I'm contacting them with a benefit to to them and myself obviously the benefit to me is they know who i am they they vote for me they spread my they spread my name and whatnot but really i'm doing it to help people and them specifically to to stay afloat and to really thrive so um yeah that's a lot of what it is it's call, calling them messaging them what what have you what have you so interesting so like i'm just trying to think from like a strategy perspective so do you basically say like look i have this heartland deal and this is who it benefits like this is who i should probably talk to like this obviously you want it to benefit everybody but it's like benefiting everybody through like you know uh environmental like recovery but it's like so then you reach out to like the major point like you'd reach out to farms and be like hey i'm trying to like I'm running on this idea to bring you guys incentive to is that kind of how it works? Yeah, exactly. And it, it's a little tough because, um, farms are obviously rural and historically rural communities vote Republican and I'm running as a Democrat, which one of my pet peeves with politics in general is labeling things before you even get to know, you know, really what the solution is or who the person is. But that's an extra 
extra hurdle for a lot of places where I'm trying to reach out with, you know, a plan that helps helps them and helps everybody. Um, and it, it's trying to get that message across very clear that it, it is for it is for helping people, not for for my benefit. So that's that's why this whole theme of the campaign is really not about me. It's about helping everybody else, which I think so. Um, if I push that message out to specific farmers and they look me up, they'll they'll kind of get that theme and maybe they'll believe it a little more <laughs> instead of write me off right away. Yeah. Um, so let's say, so August 11th, you win the primary. When's the next election? Or when's the election, actually? Uh, November 3rd, I believe. Is it the, the same as the president? Yep. Okay, so, um, so you win the primary. It's you and um, Growthman mm-hmm. um, on the same as the presidential ticket yep. and um you win you serve are you are you like gonna limit yourself like like how far do you want to take it you yeah. know what i mean yeah it's a good question so that kind of brings up like the whole issue with like polarization and politics where we're kind of just like drifting apart in each election it's just like one side versus the other and you never really get anything done so I personally am in, I'm for term limits. Um, right now, Congress, House of Representatives, and Senate don't have term limits. So you have these people in there for, for decades, for their whole career, which um, I think is wrong because that kind of defeats the purpose in my mind of what Congress should be, which should be, uh, which should be consistent turnover, new ideas, and things like that, because you're really supposed to be representing the people. And if you're in office for so many years you you don't really understand what people are going through anymore you're kind of up in your ivory tower a little bit like well i hear your issues but i'm not living them anymore so so me personally i would hold myself to a term limit um and i would fight to actually enact term limits as well um whether i mean congress is every two years elections so me personally i would say an eight-year limit would probably be best just to match with what presidents have to stick to within senate they have six-year terms, so, I mean, two terms, you're already 12 years. I think that's, if you haven't done what you wanted to do in a decade, I don't, I think either you should, your, your time's probably up anyways, so yeah. that's what I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't like the idea of people, like, being in politics forever. It's yeah. just like you just become a professional, like, weasel or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> not that, like, it's like, you have to do you have to be weird you have to act against normal i guess it is normal like it's in our human nature Mm -hmm. but like how people act in everyday life you just have to play politics like to the nth degree you know and like ultimately if you become really good at that like you better hope that your intention lies purely for the betterment of all and not for you know your your bottom line or something yep. and it's like ultimately if it becomes a career it's like are you really trying to get out of 25 years of something and not make it one dollar off it you know like yeah. it becomes a business almost which is like it, yeah very much is a business <laughs> which is <laughs> which is it's hard to break into too because it, it a lot of it is a business where these campaigns which at the core should be you know a campaign for for what you're running on but a lot of these campaigns are businesses like they have full paid staff and benefits and all the stuff which is great but like 
when you really think about it, it's like, are we voting for this person? Or are we voting for this business that they're running? It's, it, it kind of yeah. sits weird with me sometimes when you think about it. So yeah, I think we need to kind of break up how that system works a little bit. Definitely. Um, here's another, this is a left field one sure. that you, that you get <laughs> that I found in us talking before this was mm-hmm. the ranked choice voting, right? Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, explain that to people. Like okay. Ranked yeah. choice voting. So this is one of the ones I love. Like, so ranked choice voting, I'll try to explain it concisely, but it's, it's a little, it's kind of a mouthful. So instead of how we currently vote where it's, you know, you vote for one person and that's it. And it's, you know, the elections are one versus one. Um, ranked choice voting is where you, you rank your preferences. So um, obviously this only works if there's more than two people, but say for example, just the primary men, there's three of us. So ranked choice voting is you would rank, you would vote uh, your first, second and third choice. And then in order for someone to win, they need 50% of the vote. So they do their first, the, the clerks do their first count and your first choice is obviously your first vote. And then if no one gets 50% of the vote in that first count, um, the person with the least amount gets thrown out essentially. And then they do a recount with just the two people left. Um, so if your first choice was the one thrown out, your second choice is now your vote essentially. So, um, and then you, you keep running that cycle until someone gets 50% of the vote. Um, but why I really like that, and there's some states that do this already. I believe Maine was the first one that already have this in place. But I think this is another thing like term limits that really can kind of decrease the polarization because you, you're able to have a lot more options on the ballot and not like a fear of someone not getting enough votes. Like if you look at the president, you know, it's there's third parties, but realistically they're never going to win because people don't want to waste their vote essentially. So if you have ranked choice voting, you can... Um, you know, you can vote, say, say I want to vote Democrat and then I want to vote Green Party second. Like you have the option to give a bigger voice to a smaller group of people that have good ideas. Right. It's almost like it almost like uh, takes away like this front. It yeah. takes away the front that you're putting up because it's like you can vote for who you really want. And then like it's like, oh, they're not going to win anyway. So then you put like the lesser of two evils as your second choice. Yep. And it's like, wow, maybe there's a lot more people that want that. Maybe you find all of a sudden there's 30% of people that really want Libertarian or Green Party or something. Mm-hmm. And they, they show like, well, this is the lesser of two evils I'd choose. So maybe, right, maybe in, say that existed next election. Maybe it's like, well, it's still going to be Biden or Trump, which is like gross to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, but wow, look, like, um, I don't know. Hopefully it's not Jill Stein again, I guess. But like, I think it's ran like five Howie Hawkins, I think, is the Green Party guy this time sure. around. But maybe it's that. But maybe <laughs> yeah. that person gets 30 percent. And then it's like there's a real conversation. Yep. This should be a national party. Yeah. What's what's your take on national parties? Don't yeah. don't the parties basically get funded? And how does that work? Well, is that just for presidents? Yeah, that well, the parties get funded. I don't even. Well, let me. I'll add one more point to that ring choice voting part, yeah. part first. Like, for you mentioned, like someone might get thirty percent of the vote, and you're like, we should take them serious. Um, and on the reverse side of that, you'll see in this primary, whoever wins will likely get you know thirty, forty percent of the vote, and they'll be the winner. So you have these two other people that have you know ten, twenty percent, and it just doesn't matter. So you have someone winning an election that didn't even get more than half the vote. So that's another big issue I think ranked choice voting would solve because you, there's a lot of times where you'll have essentially a minority 
evoke it or win just because there's so many different options and it's so split that mm-hmm. not someone that's the most popular wins um interesting so like what you could have is like someone who's way off base mm-hmm. like in terms of a percentage of the population maybe they only have 25 percent of people really believe them because it's like extreme as hell and yep. maybe 25 percent are extreme in that way maybe this person is just like um I don't know, like a like racist or something. He runs <laughs> on some kind of like KKK stance or something. So he has twenty five percent, but maybe there's five other candidates that all get eighteen percent each or whatever, and it's like that person would win because they they beat out right. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah, idea that, exactly. Yeah. But really, in reality, it's like maybe one of these pers- people that got eighteen percent if in ranked choice would have been everyone else's second choice. Yeah, exactly. So it's like everyone kind of liked their guy better, but like there was this like clear person that everyone kind of trusted yeah. and because, okay. So that's the that's idea good example, though, yeah. right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like, I know it's just a little back, but like the first George Bush election or his reelection where there was Ross Perot who ran third party, yeah. got a huge chunk of the votes and kind of stole, stole away George Bush's vote. And that's why. Wasn't Cl- that Nick or uh, Clinton? Bill, uh, was Bill Clinton. it? Yeah. So first Bush only had one term. Yes. Oh, so, and Ross Perot got like 20 something, maybe 30% of the vote, which in ranked choice, that probably would have went to Bush in the end, like as a second choice. So right. that's one of the, another example of how you got someone else that per- didn't get the majority, but. And interesting, like, mm-hmm. interestingly enough is like Perot is something that people cite in fear of voting for third party. They're yeah. like, remember what happened to Perot? Like. So it's just like this distant yeah. memory or so something. So the third party is not the problem. It's it, it's how we vote, really. Yeah, the first pass, the post. Yeah. Whoever gets the most is, right, unrepresentative, ultimately. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, there's like... It's, it's, it's so hard because it's <laughs> like there's all these issues and it's like everyone, like, you want to focus on them all, but ultimately you're lucky if you push one past yeah you know the touchdown or whatever yeah. the end zone um cool what uh how can people find out more about your ideas and um and where can, where can they find your stances on things as they come up as like things are progressing yeah ridiculously rapid yeah, there's these days. stuff happening daily but yeah so you can check my website beardsleeforcongress.com um i'm on facebook twitter instagram um twitter i love because it moves so fast so if something's happening you can get stuff out there real quick um facebook's another one but uh for the website i'm trying to be very detailed to make it very clear that i am running on specific ideas like i've kind of mentioned throughout this whole thing where i'm not just running you know just to say i want to fight climate change like i have all these plans listed out um and it's tough to to just focus on a couple things um where i want to focus on a lot of different issues so i have a lot of those on the website but if you keep talking about too much you know it kind of falls on deaf ears so climate change healthcare are the big ones but you can read a lot more details on the website there it's all out there okay cool um awesome Thanks, man. I think, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm sure on, on most things, I guess I I only really talked about, or I guess let's just 
finished with healthcare because we sure. didn't really go into it. <laughs> um, your thing is to basically add some kind of flat tax somewhere along the line. Yes, yes, essentially. So what I'm really for is called a single-payer healthcare system, which kind of made famous by Bernie called Medicare for All. Um, I don't love the term. I like to call it like healthcare for all. But essentially, right now, we're already paying 1.4% everybody for Medicaid on their inc- or on their on their yeah, paychecks. Income tax, yeah. Um, so, right. yeah. yeah, I guess, Sorry. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how we would pay for having a single-payer system is bump that up to 4%, and then that's everybody's premiums, essentially. So there would be no more employer-based healthcare because really my – a couple big gripes with employer-based healthcare is it's for profit. So you have companies that are there to make a profit. So they're openly raising prices so that they can benefit. And if you look at just how much money they make every year, there it's a crazy amount, it's trillions. So yeah, um, I want to take the for profit out of it and make it a nonprofit system. And then the second part of that is it's tied to our employers so like i mentioned in the beginning where there's 30 million people that were unemployed a lot of them most of them lost their health care um there is like obamacare but that's not exactly the answer either um so if you put everybody on one plan everybody's all paying in everybody benefits and all your pain is that four percent and when you go to the doctor it's it's essentially free at the cost of service so you're paying out your paycheck just like you would at anyways for your employer-based uh, healthcare, but this time it's 4% tax and, and that's all you see. So you're paying less every year and you're paying less because there's no deductibles, there's no uh, extra cost if they're in network or out of network, there's none of that confusion. So really where, where I think the, the problems are, it's expensive and it's confusing and it's, it's tied to your employment. So a single payer system would kind of rid of all of that. It'd be very simple. Um, are you familiar with um, the idea that like rising healthcare costs and tuition, they're, they seem to be very similar problems. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't it? Isn't it because of overregulation? Isn't there something about it that like basically like they know they're gonna get it, so they charge that much anyway? Because wasn't it? Isn't it because of maybe federal, the federal loan system? bringing more guaranteed money to colleges that they raise oh. their price are you familiar with that i don't idea? i don't really? i don't want to shoot from the hip so i don't know if, okay i don't know the 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 loan part but um that's very much a thing on the healthcare side where they're they're getting money from the government and from from us too so they're kind of double dipping a little bit yeah mm. and they kind of know they're going to get it so they yeah. just charge whatever they want well, it, yeah, and they can charge whatever they want because they're kind of like the only option. So, I mean, your employer picks your health care. You don't really have a choice. Like maybe you have a couple different plans, but you don't, they get to pick on what they're paying. And it's usually the, the lowest cost for the employer and like the worst coverage for you. It's just because that's what they can get away with. Right. There's no other option really. So with that system, are you for some more level of like, like how do you get the government payouts to be where the government's not being like taken advantage of by the healthcare system? Yeah, so I mean the the popular 
structure is to have Medicare, so which is already run by the government, kind of take over healthcare essentially, where the private industry would essentially kind of dissolve or be eaten up by by Medicare. Um, so you would have all that money going direct, straight into a system that that's already proven to to work. Um, and the I guess the goal is the main goal is to make sure it's a nonprofit system, so they're not allowed to raise prices just because they want to make more money. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be run by the government as okay. long as it's nonprofit. So if that's the case, then like the structure of like a CEO of a hospital would change because you're no longer allowed to like go for more profit for that hospital. Potentially. I mean, so there would probably have to be adjustments by hospitals, but um, in this case, the hospital would still essentially be a, a partner or a customer. So you're not, these taxes aren't going directly to the hospital. So they would be charging the government and getting right. yeah getting paid through that way so i'm i'm not sure um if hospital ceos fall into the same issue as insurance ceos i would hope that they run a little more ethnically ethically i guess but i don't know that part yeah i think that's i think conservative people like I, I guess to try and describe what I am, I think I'm typically more socially progressive or, or liberal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's like, why are you focusing on this? This is ridiculous. Sure. Um, and then I, I typically a little more um, economically conservative, yep. but um, with the caveat of environmental stuff, which like I agree kicked way too far down the road mm-hmm. and like, is uh very concerning and is gonna you know social unrest is way worse than um any of the issues we're dealing with now like the social unrest that could come with like collapse of ecosystem and food systems and Mm -hmm. soil potentially like dust bowl level shit yeah (laughs) um i guess i think what conservative people's concern is typically is that like a lot of government systems like when you do let the government take over they typically overspend very inefficient and under deliver right mm-hmm. so it's like um obviously just something to think about when you're you're building out your ideas yeah um, I, I even getting signatures i talked to a very proud conservative he called himself and we had a very good conversation about it where he's he's all for the idea of everyone being on a single insurance plan and everyone paying in because you know realistically right now it's just a bunch of disparate systems um so it lower costs just having everybody on one plan but like you said he doesn't want the government to run it and that's a valid point um where my thing is i just don't want companies that are trying to run it for profit so if we have a non-profit system that it's at some point it might have to be you know it's going to be regulated by the government anyways so it'll probably be associated with the government but you can break those off enough where it's kind of its own entity i guess if you kind of look at how the united kingdom does it they have what they call the national health care service nhs i don't know if that's exactly what it stands for but it's its own thing but it's still under the government but it's kind of its own business per se so that's kind of the ideal state i think so you don't have the inefficiency or you don't have the 
what people think is the government ruining it. You want to keep it on its own. Yeah. I don't. I don't fully understand the counter argument enough to like yeah. <laughs> challenge you, but I'm pretty sure the counter argument or the counter view would be more in like the libertarian sphere, which would be like the problem with like overpaying healthcare is the amount of it's like because there's regulation, but then the for-profit side is still intact. Mm -hmm. Like there's all this red tape and bureaucracy and like uh, high barriers to entry because of that regulation that does exist. And that means that there's less competition because like it's really hard to get into that field. Mm -hmm. I think like the, the opposite view of having the government take care of all of it and have it become a non, like a nonprofit thing is like, you need like like if you broke it up into individual businesses where it's like there's eight different choices for getting an x-ray or there's eight different choices for getting an mri like that's going to drive down costs you know what i mean yeah yep yeah and i guess whatever the main goal i i kind of shoot for is i want to put the choice into where you go for that x-ray or the doctor or or whatnot not limited to what what your network is or what your insurance dictates for you yeah and shift that back to kind of the the patient i think ultimately like yeah having a system that is like taken care of for emergency for the unexpected is is great i think ultimately our goal is like a like as a society should really be to like become more capable become more Mm -hmm. like across the board we need to be more like i don't know if adaptable is the word or like um and that being said like some of the things that might cure these issues too is like education yeah absolutely like do you address that at all in your your platform like what's your take on education yeah so i do have a section on there on public education specifically so i'm kind of in the mindset if uh, i want to boost public education because that's what the majority of us are getting anyways and there's wisconsin specifically this is more of a state level issue but we currently provide public funding for private schools which i think kind of muddies the waters if it's public money i think it should stay in public schools but it's kind of its own other issue but i'm generally for boosting public education whether that's um setting a salary floor for teachers so they're not having to pay for their or have multiple jobs and making sure that they're not paying for their own supplies things like that so a lot of this unfortunately is a state issue because schools are it's not really a federal level so it's tough but like there are some things you can do federally like i said salary floor and uh and and there's a way so i think currently eight percent of schools are funded federally and i think so that's a number that can easily be boosted up as well it's just where does that money come from so you have to take it away from somewhere else um but those are two main things you can really do federally is boost up the budget from eight percent to I think a lot of people are just proposing to double it to like 16% across the board. Um, but then 
where do you grab that money from either the the defense budget or wealth tax or there's a whole of different things you could do but that's kind of about defense budget and wealth yeah, tax there's that's <laughs> you can you can get the money from a lot of places i i don't have a specific preference i guess i mean as long as it makes sense i'll be right. for it so not just to do it to do it right mm. cool well thank you um website one more time beardsleyforcongress.com beardsleyforcongress.com we tagged uh we tagged your page in the post so people can Perfect. check you out there what's your twitter handle m beardsley wio6 wisconsin 6th district okay nice so august 11th you're running against two other gentlemen two guys or is uh, there a girl in the mix one female one male nice. so that's yeah, cool two opponents um who's I, who, oh, what i guess <laughs> Do you know what they're running on, or what's? The yep. So Jessica Kane and Matthew Bohr are the two other candidates. Um, I'm the most progressive leaning. Um, like I said earlier, I don't love labels, but a lot of things I'm fighting for are, are labeled as progressive. We're providing healthcare for everyone, fighting climate change, criminal justice reform, voting reform is a pretty progressive one. So um, I'm the one that's really running on on the plans. And not to make a dig, it's just it's just how I see it, and I think that's how a lot of people see it. It's weird that like the voting thing is considered progressive. Like, yeah, I feel like even using the word progressive is trying to put you on a right-left pendulum, and it's yeah. like voting voting reform is like its own little branch. It's like why is that? Why should that be a Republican Democrat thing? Yeah, I you agree. Know? I just. But I, I get, yeah. you're just saying how the people say it, like yep. how people label it, right? Which is, I totally am with you on anti-label, but yeah. cool. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for joining yeah. us. And uh, we're back. Got the live show in person again. So we might still do some Zooms depending on people's comfortability, but thank you for watching. Yeah. Sweet. You got a quick stop, yeah. <laughs> you, you get clicking on... OBS. Do it on Facebook. That's fine. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It truly means a lot to me. 